Hello, everyone out there. It's good to be with you again, uh, and I hope that you're doing well. If you've been following along with us, uh, we've been praying for you, and uh, we love you, and we've just been uh, just been seeking God through this whole entire time and looking to the Lord for direction and leadership and how to move forward. And it looks like we're going to be moving into that next season uh, uh, very soon. So we're just trusting God and asking the Lord for how to do that. And we want His leadership. Uh, ultimately, even as uh, things are uh, dictated around us and uh, as the, the world around us makes their decisions on what the church is going to look like or what the church looks like, we're asking the Lord what this church right here, who we are, what we need to look like and what our purpose is. And so uh, if you've been following along with us, if you are part of this body, we just, uh, I welcome you back and and we're going to see you in the flesh soon. If you're just joining us, welcome today. And I pray that this blesses you and you be encouraged by this. And if you've been kind of in and out, you listen occasionally, um, I just pray that you, uh, if you aren't a believer, I pray that you find the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ uh, through repentance of your sins. And if you are a believer who's wandered in and out with us here and there, um, I just pray again that the Lord blesses you with this and that you'd be encouraged and uh and, and the, the body who's been listening weekly, you know it, you've heard it, but to those maybe that haven't heard me say it enough, um, uh, I just want you to know that the Lord loves you, that He has a plan and a purpose for you, and that He is watching over you. He is watching over this world. He has not taken His eyes off the world, and the Bible says that He raises up kings, He pulls down kings, the Lord uh, controls this earth, he has dictated the boundaries of the seas. That's what the word of God says. He has told the earth what it can and cannot be and do. And there are things that are evil that we don't understand, that we have to just leave it in God's hands. We have to leave it in his timing and in his plan. He does uh, vindicate every single situation, every single person in one way or another. The Lord will make everything right. He's going to bring everything into order. And in fact, that's what I want to get into today. So if, uh, if you have some time here, I want you to give your attention to the word and give your attention fully um, to this. Uh, the Lord is really just speaking right now. Um, about unity. The Lord's been speaking to me about unity. And I didn't realize that as I began to seek the Lord about this thought, and I just knew, okay, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. And I had some different scriptures, some different thoughts going through my mind about unity. I didn't realize that we would be dealing with um, a major disunity, a, a, a major division, this um, craziness going on in our nation right now uh, by the time that I preach this on Sunday. So, and, and so the Lord spoke this to me um, bef well before this situation that's developing, um, but um, also because I've been seeing it. I've been aware of this. There's kind of like an undertone of um, rebellion, and uh, that's kind of been coming through the situation that we're in, and people are ready to get out and be free, and I understand that. Um, but there's been this undertone of rebellion, and there's this undertone of division, and there already was a left-right and a center, and far left and far right, and and all these other factions and schisms um, in our nation, and they are just being um, magnified right now. And they're really, uh, it's really clear that there are so many different divisions uh, in uh, this nation. Uh, that's in the world anyway as well. But in this nation, uh, there is so much division. And that division uh, carries over not just from uh, left to right and political things, but that division carries over into every part of our culture, including the church. Even the church 
is so divided. Uh, the last time I preached on the body of Christ and I began to just uh, pull apart this, the many, many scriptures that talk about the body of Christ, which we may get into in the, in the weeks following. And I say may, because I, I think I might, but we'll see what the Lord leads. Um, but as I began to study that out last year, some different uh, interesting facts about the church and about the body. I found that there was like 30,000 something um, different divisions of, uh, or we would call them denominations um, of Christianity. That's not different religions. That's just um, denominations of Christianity, over 30,000. And so, uh, you know, humanity is divided. Humanity is opinionated. I know it's an old joke, but it really is so true that opinions are like armpits. Everybody has them and they all stink. And, and I know it's an old corny joke, but it is so true. And what happens is, is we build these um, little empires. We build our kingdoms. We build these like uh, castles with walls uh, based on our opinions and on what we think. And what we do is we group together with those that think like us. And we think with those particular people for a season, but then um, we find out that they're actually divided on us in an area. So they're not fully in our group. There's, there's some others that are fully in our group, but this particular person is partially in, but they're also partially in that group. And then those people, they're not in our group at all because they don't think like us at all and so on. And, and we have these uh, groups, these cliques within humanity, but it even is in, within Christianity. And we're so, so, so divided and I am not going to um, be on this podcast uh, talking about any particular denomination. I'm not going to preach today on which of the denominations is the right one. I am not even going to go near denominations. Um, I believe that there is a unity in Christ that the Lord wants from us. And there was... Uh, different cities, we can read in the scriptures, they went to different cities. We have Ephesus, uh, for instance, a city that Paul went to and preached to them, and that's the book of Ephesians. And then we have Corinth, that's the book of the Corinthians, right? The first and second Corinthians. So they were different cities, they had some different cultures, there's some similarities in those scriptures because it's the same uh, preacher, but there's also some things that he tells one and he doesn't tell the other. Doesn't mean that one was right and one was wrong, but it was a different application for a different city or a different culture. But this is what I want to say, that Jesus is the same, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the same. And I really believe today that we as Christians... Um, especially with the chaos that is already in the earth. I was already just sensing this chaos, this, and there are spirits of, of division. There's a spirit of chaos. There's a spirit of rebellion. These are, I don't know if they're, you know, what they are. The principalities are just, are just demon uh, spirits over these particular uh, culture wars and, and, and things like that. But but there is a very tangible uh, division, and it's chaos. It's just a, it's just chaotic in every single area of life. There's just so much fighting about every single thing, and that's really, um, uh, in, in a sense, it, it, it's really it's so opposite of God. It, to an extent, what I'm trying to say is that there's going to be um, I can't get these words out. There's going to be some division because there's going to be light and darkness and we're going to have that. Okay. So that divide, God did that. I mean, God divided light and darkness. God separated the night from the day. God separated the chaos from the spirit of peace. So there is a division that we're going to be aware of as Christians. 
And even in that division, Jesus crossed over that line and still loved those people. So even though there was a divide, he didn't become like them. He loved them. So there's going to be a division. There's going to be some. That's just uh, a fact. But as Christians, we're going to have to find a way. Um, And this is church to church, whether you're listening from another church or you're listening from within this church. We are going to have to find a way, especially in the time that we're in and it looks like the time that we're heading into of chaos and rebellion and division, we must find a way to be united as the Bible um, not just asks us kindly, but commands us to be. We must be united. We must be in unity. And there are so many scriptures, and I hope to get into uh, maybe some more of them next week. But I'm just going to read a few of them today for time. Um, but this verse was going through my heart all week. And I just think it's so sweet. And I just hear the heart of the Lord in it. And it says uh, in the book of Psalms 133, uh, verse 1 in the New King James Version, Behold how good... And how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It says in verse 2, It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. So the Bible says here in Psalm 133 that this unity between the brethren, he compares it to the oil. What is the oil? The oil was the anointing. The anointing is the, it was the Old Testament spirit of the Lord upon them. It was the spirit of God. That's The oil is, if you study out your scriptures, it's very clear that the oil and the water are the spirit of the Lord. That's the anointing. It's the, it's the presence of God. It's the sweet presence of the Lord uh, on a person's life. And the anointing would separate that person and it would put that person in a particular place or position to do something for the Lord. And, and namely here, Aaron, who was the, the high priest, the first high priest, and, uh, and he has this oil upon his head, the anointing from the Lord, and, and separating him and putting him, it brings him, this is what it did, it brought him into the presence of God. And he says that the brethren that dwell together in unity, it's like that. And so it's, it's like what? Like the oil upon his head and running down his beard and, and the garments. It's like the unity. Uh, I'm sorry. It's like the presence of God uh, 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 that Aaron experienced is uh, synonymous to the unity of the brethren. So there is a, um, a supernatural presence of the Lord that inhabits unity. God inhabits unity. God is not a disunified God. God is a unified God. In fact, even God himself is in unity with himself. Now, this is a this is a uh, one of the schisms. This is one of the things that would uh, r- literally uh, dictate a denomination over another denomination. But we have this triunity in the Bible, and and it doesn't actually ever say the word Trinity in the Bible, but it does clearly say that we have God the Father, and I think everybody listening here is fully aware of God the Father. We have God the Son, that's Jesus Christ, and we have the Holy Spirit, and all three of them are talked about uh, over and over and over again through the scriptures as individuals, and yet they are uh, working together. We have many scriptures about talking about Jesus being submitted to the Father and the, and the Father's will, about the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus. And then what I want to get into today about the Holy Spirit um, then being given to us, to the people, uh, and how 
uh, God is connected to himself, and then God is connected to us through the Holy Spirit. And there's this unity that is throughout the, the entirety of the scriptures where of God himself and God with his people. And there must be a unity today. There must be a unity amongst us as Christians. The uh, Israelites were told to go into the proposed promised land. It wasn't theirs yet, but here it is. I've promised it to you. I've given it to you. I've delivered you. Um, It's yours, but uh, it's not yours yet until you go and you get it, but it's yours. And so they go in and spy it out, right? We know about the spies. Well, all the spies come back um, and they are in disunity with Joshua and Caleb and this this disunity of of doubt and faith. Uh, it, it was such a, a strong um, disunity uh, that it actually and 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 partially what I want to get into today is that they were they were unified in their doubt, but they weren't unified with the heart of God. They weren't in unity with God and with, uh, we know that Joshua, because Moses uh, hands over the baton to Joshua and Joshua becomes the leader. So we know that God was with Joshua and we know that God was with Caleb because the Bible says that Caleb had a different spirit and God gives him an extra blessing coming into the land. So we can, we can read ahead and see that God was with Joshua and Caleb. God was unified with them and the other spies were in disunity. There was a disunity between them. Meanwhile, they were unified amongst themselves in their doubt and unbelief and it caused an entire generation to be lost. That's how powerful this uh, this unity with God versus unity with this world, unity ultimately with uh, Satan, as harsh as that sounds, really doubt and unbelief is unity with Satan. It's unity with self. Self-glorification is Satan. That's, that's what he did. We don't fully understand exactly what makes up Satan, but what we do understand of him as Christians is that pride is the main issue, and and if you boil pride down, it's just self. It's me. It's it's my skills. It's my abilities. And their doubt and unbelief. Uh, the reason it was in disunity with God, with the faith of Joshua and Caleb, is because they were looking at the situation from their own perspective, from their own opinions, and what they saw with their human eyes. Uh, didn't make sense to them. This can't possibly be our land. God must have uh, messed up and 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 brought us here by accident. Uh, and uh, we, the rest of the story is history. We know what happens. The, the, the people have to die uh, right there. They have to live out their days in the wilderness and die, and they can't go in. Their children have to go in and inherit the land. And Joshua and Caleb do get to go in. So my point is that unity with God. God is unified with himself and we must be in unity as Christians, but we must firstly be unified with God. So Joshua and Caleb were in unity with each other and they were in unity with God, just as God is unified with himself. And I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but I've got this big giant thought in my head and I'm trying to bring it out in words. Hopefully I'm not losing anyone there. But just simply, if it was sounded a little bit too much like gibberish, just very simply, God is unified with himself. I'll just say that again. And we must be unified with him. And by being unified with him, Christian to Christian, we will then automatically be unified with each other if we are unified with God. And I just want to read some more scriptures here. Um, I just thought that Psalm 33 was just so sweet, just been going through my heart all week, that the Lord says it's just pleasant, it's good and pleasant. I think the Lord is so pleased, not I, not just that I think, because I can see it in the scriptures, I believe the scriptures, but I can just see the Lord so pleased when a Christian 
decides to link arms with another Christian and they look past all the um, all the things that just like a family must do, just like brothers and sisters and parents and children do, we look past all of our uh, insecurities, we look past all of our faults, and we, we, we make a resolution, we're family. And, and suddenly, because of that issue, uh, because we are blood, because we're family, um, all the faults get washed away. It's not that they don't exist, it's just that they're not worth it. And, and the Lord really is looking at Christian to Christian who says, um, it's not worth fighting over things that don't matter and over getting stuck on things that are small and insignificant and looking to be and join together for the greater cause of Jesus Christ for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of time running out and being quick about what we've been called to do. Um, and I just wanted to move from there to the book of John chapter 17. I love these scriptures because Jesus is praying for us here. He is praying for the disciples, but he actually includes us in this prayer. So this is a prayer from Jesus for us 2,000 years ago. And it says this in John chapter 17, verse 1. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, The hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. And again, this is a picture of this um, unity from Jesus to the Father. And he says in verse 4, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So Jesus was unified with God with the Father, and he completed what God gave him to do. He joined together with the Lord. They were a unit. They were unified, and Jesus completed his task. He was victorious on the cross. He triumphed over Satan. He crushed Satan under his feet once and for all because he submitted to the plan of God. He joined to the Lord and stayed in unity, even though even Jesus, the Son of God, wanted to break away at the Garden of Gethsemane, even though we know he wouldn't have and he couldn't have. But his flesh was asking, Lord, is there another way? But he stayed in that place of unity with God, and it's so powerful. It crushed Satan, crushed him right at that moment, took away his his power over sin and death, and took the keys of life back and gave us eternity with him. And so it says in verse 5, Now, Father... Bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. All who are mine, verse 10, belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. And now here we go. Verse 10, we talked about Jesus glorifying the Father. Then he tells the Father, Uh, I know that you're going to be faithful. I've completed this task. Uh, Bring me back into that glory we share. So I'm glorifying you. Then you're going to place me in glory. And I'm putting glory on my people. And they are going to bring me glory. So he says in verse 11, Now I am departing from the world, and they are staying in this world, but I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name, now protect them by the power of your name, so they will be united just as we are. I love this. Did you hear those words? Jesus, 2,000 years ago, prayed a prayer for us, and he prayed that we would be united twofold, Now, this is the twofold, uh, with God and with each other in Christ. We would be united with God and we would be united with with each other 
through Christ, through the blood of Christ, through the purchasing of Christ, through Christ to bring us into that unity. He brought us into the unity. So he welcomed us into that unity between God the Father and the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we are welcomed in, we actually sit in Christ within that unity. Isn't that amazing? And he said, uh, for us in his prayer that we would be united as Jesus is with his father, that we personally, that's individually, and this is what I hope to develop maybe into next week. I don't want to get too much into it today, but I'll just touch on this, that individually we are saved. Individually, we have a relationship with Christ. That is individual. Only you and I uh, uh, are going to be standing, uh, I'm sorry, rather, not you and I together. You and I are going to be standing individually before Christ at the great white throne of judgment, answering for our life by ourselves. That is going to be one-on-one. That is just what we did with what he gave us, with the time he gave us, with the resources we gave, that he gave us. What did we do with our life? That's going to be one-on-one, and that's the relationship uh, that we have with Christ, one-on-one and personal between us. But ultimately, being a Christian on the earth is a much uh, different thing than the personal relationship we have with Christ. We have a personal relationship internally, but being a Christian is the external. That's the external outworking of what is happening internally. And uh, there are gifts and abilities and things that God has put in each and every person. Every single saved Christian is called for something, to do something for the Lord, to serve uh, in, the, in a particular uh, way and a particular part of the body. Every single Christian is called, and we're all equally working together to bring this body into the maturity of Christ, Ephesians chapter 4. So, but Jesus, even even Jesus himself, the Son of God, had a personal relationship, a unity with God the Father and the Holy Spirit, and yet the scriptures say that he did not come to be served, but to serve. So Jesus, the Son, had a relationship personally But Jesus, as Christ, was here for a purpose. So I just wanted to uh, say here that what Jesus is talking about in this prayer is that uh, there is um, a unity that he had with the Lord personally, and that is that father-son relationship that we personally have. And yet what he did through that unity was change the whole world. So that was the outworking. The unity is what we have personally um, in, in the respect of us to God. And then the outworking, there is another unity, and that's Jesus came and he served us. <laughs> How crazy that the Son of God served us. So there is this multifaceted unity, a very personal unity, and it's so powerful when we connect to God and stay unified with Him, connected with Him, in unity with Him, one with Him. There's a oneness, and that's really what I want you to get today. If you can get Uh, one thing, it's that we are one. We must be one. We must be one vessel. The Bible even says that this mystery of us in Christ is like the mystery of a husband and wife. They're two individuals, and yet the Bible says that when they've been brought together in marriage, that the two flesh, there's two minds and two plans and two purposes, and yet the Together, they've become one. And so they don't lose their individuality, the male and the female of that relationship in one respect, but they lose the self. 
self dies and they submit themselves to each other. And so they're serving one another and together they are one. And that's really what the Bible says in Ephesians is this mystery that we have with Jesus Christ. And then there is, um, uh, continuing on here, he says in verse 21, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. It's so powerful. I know that's like a tongue twister here. But what the scriptures are saying is this mystery unity, this mystery of Jesus submitting to the Father and the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus at the Jordan River. And then that when Jesus sits on the throne next to the Father, the Holy Spirit is sent, and we're going to look at that in a moment in Acts uh, chapter 2. Now the Holy Spirit is glorifying the Son in humanity uh, and, and in unity with the Father and the Son in heaven, now in the earth through us. And so we have this cross unity, but that when it's done right, and I hate to just boil it down like that, that it's like a formula. It's not a formula, and yet it is. We must be firstly in unity with God. And let me just say this simply. It is not complex. It is so simple. In order to be in unity with God, you personally and just individually, Jesus submitted to God, the Father. That's it. So simple. We must just submit. How do we submit? We believe the word of God and we do what it says. We are not just hearers only, right, church? But we are doers of the word. And that will bring us into a unity with God. And that is really the core to our whole Christianity. And in fact, you can't do it on your own. I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm going to look at these scriptures, I promise, in Acts 2. But the Holy Spirit empowers you to even be able to do anything that God's asking you to do. So they are unified together, God, and they have brought you, they, because it's it's multifaceted, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have brought you, they brought me into that unity. And through their unity, now to me, I've been joined with that unity. Then there is an outworking from that unity. This is so, so, so powerful. And again, if it sounds confusing, it's not. It is so, so simple. You submit to God as Jesus did. And then the unity that will come out of you, the Holy Spirit coming out of you, the love, it's, this, is, it, this is the two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, with everything that's in you. You love God. That's, that's commandment number one. Commandment number two, in these two, Jesus said they sum up all the law and all the prophets. The whole word of God can be summed up into these two. Love one another as you love yourself. Love each other as you love yourself. The unity amongst the brethren, amongst your brothers and sisters, is automatic when you have unity with God. If we submit to God, if we are truly submitted to God, then we will be in unity with our brothers and sisters. In fact, that is one of the red flags in your Christianity, that if you are not really unified with your brothers and sisters, if you feel like you have an individual Christianity and, uh, and you've been blessed uh, with a special relationship with God that does not include other Christians, um, I'm not saying through this 
a sermon that you're going to go to hell. That is honestly between you and God, your relationship with him. But I'm saying from the scriptures that it's not quite what Christianity looks like because the Bible says that those two, he says, here's the first commandment and the second one is like it. It's really one commandment, one and 1.2, that if you love God, you will automatically be in this unity with your brothers and sisters, this love for your brothers and sisters. And what love does is love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love for each other pleads before God for grace and mercy in the faulty areas. It does not point a finger. It does not put, you know, we can go through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? Uh, it does not put each other down and elevate yourself, but instead actually puts yourself down and elevates them and prays for them and believes for them. And, uh, and there's this amazing uh, picture of uh, a true Christian through those scriptures and through really being in unity with God, we will be in unity with each other. And this is what it says. It says in in, in John 17, verse 21, that the world will believe in Jesus if we can get this right. In verse 22, he says, I have given them glory, the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. We aren't even with excuse. God has put himself, Jesus put himself, his glory on us to help us to be in oneness. That, and, and that's really just repetitive to what I just said, that if we know Christ, then we will love like Christ. It's really not rocket science. This is very simple Christianity. If we are fighting and we are in division and we are constantly nitpicking in, in so many areas and in chaos and in rebellion to every single person around us, including Christians, if we can't even find Christians that we can unite with, and I'm not talking, well, I'm going to pick the Christians I unite with, but I mean to find a common ground with all believers, then we should go back and check our personal relationship with Christ. Because our Christianity is us amongst each other. It's the love for one another. It's the unity amongst each other is directly related to the unity that we have with God. Jesus looked past our sins and got on the cross for us. As Christians, we must look past each other's faults. Even uh, what we would look and say is a misconception of God. We would look at other Christians and we would say they're deceived. They're even in heresies. We must not just point our fingers at them. We can point our finger at the issue and then we must plead before God. And to be honest, most of the time this is private. We only go uh, and bring the person to the public forum when they've refused to listen to us personally. And by the time that we've gone to them personally and talked about it, we've spent so much time in prayer and fasting that we probably don't have to say anything to them in person. And that's a, that's a whole other thing, but I just uh, see from the heart of the Lord this unity that He wants for us and that He is pleading for us to have. It's the unity that Jesus literally prayed for. One of His last prayers here, John chapter 17 on the earth, was to pray that we would be one as God is one and as Jesus was one with His disciples he said, I've given them my glory so they may be one as we are one. So Jesus has given himself personally and really poured himself into. He poured himself into his disciples and he pours himself into us. And if we are truly unified with him, then we will be unified with each other. In verse 23, I am in them and you are in me. So Jesus is in us and God is in Christ. So then we are one with Christ, one with God, and then because Christ is not just unified with me and not just unified in you, if he is in you and he's in me, then we are one as well. Isn't this an amazing picture of the unity that God desires for his church, for his people to have? He said in verse 23, 
Continuing, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So actually, not just that people will believe in Christ, but actually the love of Christ will be evident, not just when I individually love a person, but when the world sees how much we love each other, they will actually recognize the love of Christ for them. That's, a, that's powerful. This is so powerful. Father, verse 24, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. You can't uh, blame me for being repetitive. A lot of times preachers are repetitive, and sometimes they preach the same sermon uh, for year after year or week after week, and or th- maybe even that 45 minutes of sermon sounds like we're saying the same thing over and over again. Hey, listen, don't point, don't look at me. Go read John 17 by yourself, and you're going to see that Jesus really <laughs> goes through this concept over and over and over again. And honestly, this is a continuation from John chapter 15. He says it over and over again about us being in him, about God being in Christ, about Christ being in us, about us being linked with each other together with Christ in the Father through the Holy Spirit. Amen. So uh, this brings us from John chapter 17. As he prays this prayer, Jesus goes through the process of the cross. He's redeemed. uh, I mean, he, he redeems us. He uh, brings us into new life. He shows himself again, uh, 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 resurrected to the disciples. And then he tells them in Acts 1 to go and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And um, this is really cool because as the Lord began to um, just unravel this sermon for this week, um, I didn't realize, but I had a feeling suddenly while I was preparing that uh, that this Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. Suddenly I was like, Lord, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit is so much greater than just the gifts and the miracles and the, and the, the mysteries like tongues and prophecies and, and the things we can't understand in our human intellect uh, and, and the, uh, the wind and the fire of Acts 2, which we're going to read it's so much greater than that. It was really the the Bible calls the seal. The Holy Spirit is the seal. It's the branding. It's the it's the imprinting of Himself on us. It's the marking of God. It was the finality. The blood of Jesus on the cross purchased us, and the Holy Spirit seals us, and that brings us into that complete unity. It's not only through Christ. It's in submission to the Father through Christ. It's the Father's law that Jesus is the Word. The Word came through Jesus from the Father, through Him, and uh, the Holy Spirit inspires them to write down the scriptures that we read today. The Holy Spirit, uh, He brought you to Christ. He drew you in since you were a little boy or a little girl, uh, slowly and surely to Christ till finally you said, yes, I want him. And so there's this, um, this unity in God that, uh, is, uh, was, was working then and, and needed to be completed in the disciples, uh, so that the, multiplication, which is us, you and I, if you and I are listening out there, we are a multiplication of the work that Jesus did in the disciples who became the apostles and changed the world as we know it, who began to, uh, who preached this Jesus 
but now resurrected through the power of the Holy Spirit. That message multiplied and the, uh, the disciples multiplied, Christians multiplied. You and I are here because of that multiplication. And it wouldn't have been perfect yet with just the blood, but the blood had to mix with the water or with the oil. And we can look at the scriptures. There's multiple scriptures. We just don't have time today, but talk about the completion of the blood and the oil, the blood of the lamb and the oil, the anointing oil. There's so many pictures. We just don't have time, but that together, the the togetherness of Jesus Christ in the blood and the Holy Spirit in the oil, and they bring together this um, this perfect man. In fact, just for a moment, think about Adam when he was made, when God fashioned the clay, and that's really the blood. That was the the blood in him. That was the and he was clean. He was pure blood because it was God's blood. I mean, he he made him from the clay and put his own. It was his own self. It said he, we were made in his own image. But then the spirit. He breathed the spirit. It was the blood and the spirit made this perfect man. Now, sin brought that division and, uh, and, and Jesus Christ had to restore it. But the full restoration was not just at the cross in the blood, although we are so incredibly thankful for what Jesus did. Uh, but Jesus would be offended if we thought that that was it without the Holy Spirit. The blood on the cross is fully completed, even though what he did was completed in itself. It was fully completed in the sense that they are a new creature, a, a saved, believing Christian and multiplying Christian. When the Holy Spirit came on them, not just to anoint them, to make them do something, but that's that seal. That's what made them become that's what made them become a new creature, a new creation. That, that's what then uh, brought Peter, as I've been mentioning in the weeks past, out of that upper room and exploded out of his mouth into a sermon that changed the hearts of 3,000 people instantly. Wow, uh, I'm getting way ahead of myself again, but let's just keep moving here. Acts chapter 1, it says, and this is this is so, so, so significant and and this is, um, you're going to have to use your imagination and use your heart impartially because as I read this, this is funny for the particular time we're living in right now. It says they all met together and were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus and several other women and the brother of Jesus. So we're not necessarily doing that all to in each other's houses or in church buildings yet, um, but we must be united greater than a building anyway. You must uh, actually, it's not just use your imagination, really, that's the, that's the real unity that the building can't separate it, that you are one with each other out there, church, that I'm one with you and you are one with me and we are one. And isn't it amazing how when I'll be thinking of something throughout the week uh, and I talk to someone, and you have all done this. If you are a believer, and you've been saved for even more than a day, <laughs> then you've experienced this most likely by this point, where you've been meditating on something throughout the week. You don't even realize that the Lord's kind of speaking to you. You just kind of been thinking about this particular thought and, and this scripture and how the Lord is doing something in this particular area. And then you talk to another believer who you've had no communication with so far, and suddenly when you guys talk, you talk about the same exact thing. How is that possible? It's because you are one. It's because even though you are two individuals in, uh, in body form, human body form, you are one spirit because you, have, you are one in Christ and one in God. And so they were constantly united together in, in church. We must get to this now. We must get to a unity now. As we go into Acts chapter 2, it says on the day of Pentecost. All right, so that's, that's what we're celebrating right now. Today is a celebration of Pentecost. It's 50 days after Passover. And so today, May 31st, is Pentecost. And so Acts chapter 2, verse 1, that's what's happening here. And it says, again, all the believers were 
meeting together in one place. And this is greater than one room. It means that they were in one mind. They were unified. They were in one. Church, even as we are in our own homes uh, for another week, we are one. We are unified. We have the same Holy Spirit, even though we're in all in different homes and we have all different families and we all have different jobs and we all have different upbringings. When we were cleansed by the blood of Jesus and sealed by the Holy Spirit, we became one and we must uh Really, really get this. We must make that our identity and not our culture and not our just our family and our job. And, and our, those, are, those are amazing things that God has blessed us with, but that's not your identity. Your identity is that you are in Christ and that the Holy Spirit has sealed you. You are one with God through the blood, through the Holy Spirit, and together we are one. That's who you are. And then you have the benefit of having a family and having a job and having, you know, uh, things that that you are personally gifted at and so on. And we'll get more into that. But you, your identity has to be uh, foremost in Christ. And so we are all uh, the same, even though we are all different in the outworking, we are all the same in the inner man. And if that doesn't make sense today, just believe me for today and get into the scriptures and pour into them and find those things out uh, in your in your Bible. Um, but just for sake of time, believe me that we are one. We are one and we must be one. It says, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And we know these verses. It filled the house where they were sitting and then there was flames of fire, tongues of fire on them. And uh, they were all, verse 4, filled with the Holy Spirit. So there was this in, in this pouring out um, from the Spirit of God. And then it says in verse 16 that what we see was predicted long ago. And this was the completion. This is the completion of what Jesus did. He says, wait, it's not, it's finished my purchasing. Sin is paid for. The, the Holy Spirit uh, is there to help you in your weaknesses. He's there to help you to know what to say, how to pray. There's so many scriptures on how to love each other and so on. But the sin is paid for on the cross. That's done. The blood is finished. Jesus said it's finished. But he tells the disciples to wait for the finishing of being a complete believer, to being a Christian on the earth, just as Jesus was the Son of God, and yet the Holy Spirit came upon him before he began to minister. And uh, so he tells him to wait, and then in verse, so we're reading here in verse 16, it's because this was predicted long ago. This is God's way, this was God's plan, was that he says in, in verse 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke and the sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives in verse 21, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In fact, those scriptures I read, those were part of Peter's sermon. And then he continues to say in verse 32, God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had, had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. And then it says this, verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do so there was this unity. We read that they were in the upper room. They were together. It says they were constantly, they were united. They were one in prayer. They were one man. 
They were already seeking God, waiting for this completion, this fulfillment of the prophecies, the blood of Jesus and the oil, the anointing, the wind, that's the spirit. That was the breath of God, just like making a new Adam. That's what the Bible says, that Jesus is the new Adam, the second Adam, where it was the blood and the spirit. So the spirit completes this new man. And then now they are talking to an unbeliever, all right, just as we were unbelievers before we became a believer, and just as we then speak to other unbelievers before they are a believer, and this is what uh, we have as a message to us personally and what we give, what Peter gave to them that day. He says, each of you must repent of your sins Turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And we know that. I think most Christians, I mean, they know this. This is so, this part about Christianity is so um, uh, preached about and, uh, and so understood. And, and, and we should. This is, this is the core of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet there's another part that we must get It's not just a repentance of sins. You can repent of your sins and then you go right back to them because you're not letting the Holy Spirit work in your life. So we repent of our sins. It's forgiveness of our sins and says, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away who all who have been called by the Lord our God. Some people say the Holy Spirit was poured upon them in that time only, but the scriptures clearly say that it was for them and their children and for those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. So when we've been called, the seal, the finality of that is the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit is doing is he is bringing us into that triunity, It's the Father, we're submitting to the Father's law, but you can't do that. We have a new law, it's the law of love. So we submit to that law of the Father through the purchasing, Jesus pays the price, his blood stands in between our fault, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to do it. And so we've been brought into that triunity by this process right here, I hate to call it a process, but in, in, I mean, that's what it, what it is in the, in our human mind to understand it. It's so much greater. It's supernatural. Um, but then it says, uh, after they get saved here, verse 41, 3000 are added. It says in verse 42, that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing and meals, include, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. This is so key. This is what I thought was so special. I began to look at this, and I began to look at what the Holy Spirit did here, and that we must get into unity. And I thought, as I started to look at the scriptures, it's impossible to be unified without the Holy Spirit helping us do it. And it makes sense because the Holy Spirit is unified with God. So we cannot be in unity with each other without letting the Holy Spirit work in us, without being unified with Him and help, having Him help us be unified with each other. We must let Him help us and show us how to love the unlovable, how to even love each other that irritate us so much sometimes but to look past those irritations or even heretical things that stand between us and we say, how can we both be believers? But that there is this thing within us that cries out deep within us in our prayer closet for each other and grieves for each other and we just love each other in that process and that can only happen through the Holy Spirit. And as I began to look at the scriptures, I said, of course, of course, it's the only way, because that's what, the, that's what uh, the, the way that God established. That's the way that it works. And then the brand new believers, he tells them, that's what you have to do. That's what we've just done. That's the way that you're going to do it. And then it says that they do exactly what the disciples were already doing. 
Now they're including in that unity. They're sharing in each other's uh, uh, meals and they're sharing in prayer. And it says that a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the um, apostles there performed miracles and signs and wonders. And it says in verse 44 that the believers met together. So now this is an expanded group of believers. The unity has expanded. And it says that they met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared in their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And now I don't believe that we all need to sell everything we own, and combine all our bank accounts into one. I don't believe because we don't necessarily see that in Ephesus or in Corinth. Um, But what they had here was so special, and we can have that, which is a unity, a oneness. They were caring for each other. They were aware of each other's needs. They were aware of each other's faults, and yet, like brothers and sisters, were there to support each other. In fact, um, I just read it how Paul is, he's encouraging in one of the churches, it's in my mind, I don't have the reference, but it, he's encouraging one of the churches and telling them, um, you know, I, um, I took the gifts that you gave me and, um, and, I'm, and I'm using them to go and work in this other land. And it's helping me pay, it's paying for me uh, to work here so that I don't need to take anything from them. But then he turns around and says, you know, you supplied for my need, um, but there's this crossing uh, to the other side that, that, that he says, uh, you know, but I'll, uh, basically, I'm going to supply for your need. You supply for me, I supply for you. That it, it's not just that you know you you pay for me and I'm going to go do this thing and that's it um, but that there is this crisscross unity of when uh, I have a need you're there for me and when you have a need I'm there for you and that really pleases the Lord uh, when his brethren are working together and in unity and in Acts chapter 4 it says that, that again the believers were united in heart and mind. They felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. We don't need to, again, take all of our bank accounts and combine them, but this this special unity where they knew that what they had was not their own. They knew that even their time, their resources, that just like Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. By doing that, and we'll get more into that, but by doing that, somebody else is there, and you may feel like it's lacking sometimes, and you don't worry about it. You just keep giving, you just keep doing, and you don't judge anyone for not doing anything that you feel like they should be doing towards you, but you just keep doing what the Lord's asked you to do. But God's way is that then someone else, and it may take some time, so again, don't judge them and don't judge the moment, but then there will be needs. The Lord will meet your needs, and He will supply for you, and He'll give you emotionally and mentally and even uh, financially or whatever it is, the things that you need, that you're giving of yourself constantly for someone else or for people. The Lord will supply. He He will give you what you need through someone else, and and even if no one else, the Holy Spirit gives you a sustenance constantly, and the the believers, you don't even realize that there are believers that are across the world who can't really give you anything, but they're praying for you. They don't even know they're praying for you. Holy Spirit just puts somebody in their mind, and they begin to pray for a face or a name, and there's this constant um, working of the body uh, uh, really around the world. It's not just in our region or in this nation, and it's not, it's not a cultural thing. It's not a race thing. The body of Christ worldwide 
Uh, all cultures, all races, all languages are one. And I don't want to uh, keep going because I don't want to say more than I feel like I, I want to say all at once. I don't want to bombard you with too much at once. But uh, I hope that this blesses you today. And again, I'll get more into this next week. But the Lord is really calling for us to be unified. And, and to be unified with each other, let me just say this again simply, is to be unified with God. We've got a little bit more time left of you without having a church building. Just a little bit of time left, it looks like. And in this little bit of time left where you are more, you're home more than maybe you want to be, I'm encouraging you, get some things right with the Lord. Get unified with His Word. Get unified with Christ. Get in unity with Him. And then automatically the unity of you and the brothers, you won't be rebellious towards another Christian. You won't be fighting with other Christians if you are Christ. I know that that sounds like like heresy, but it's not. You are supposed to be Christ because Christ is in you. It's not I who lives, but Christ who lives in you, lives in me. It's not us anymore, it's Christ. And Christ does not hate, Christ does not fight, and uh, Christ does not argue, but Christ pleads for them, and he forgives them, and he lays his own life down for them, and he sheds his blood for them. And that unity will come out of a relationship that we have with God, a unified relationship with him and with his heart and with his plan. And so I just encourage you to get some things right, And the Lord's really going to bring us together in such a powerful way. And we're going to see God do some amazing things in and through us in this coming season. Amen. I bless you. And I just keep praying for you. And so just keep praying that the Lord's will be done right now. And uh, we're going to be together really, really soon. Amen.